You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Welcome to episode number five of the Savvy Social Podcast. I'm so excited because today's episode features our very first interview here on the podcast, and it's with my husband, Brent Jones. From bad checks to bathroom graffiti, Brent Jones has always been drawn to writing. He won a national creative writing competition at the age of 14, and although he can't recall what the story was about, 17 years later, he gave up his career to pursue writing full time. Brent writes from his home here in Fort Erie, Canada. He's happily married. I didn't write that. He did. Bearded cyclist and mediocre guitarist and the proud owner of two dogs, with a God complex. I can totally attest to that. So today we're talking about how Brent used to work with me in social media and the social media business, why he decided to transition out of social media, and the importance of taking breaks from social media and so, so much more. So take a listen. Before we dive in, though, I want to remind you to access the Savvy Social Framework at onlinedrea.com slash free. The framework is a free seven-part workshop that guides you through creating a solid foundation for your social media strategy, and it works. It takes all of my years of practice of working with hundreds of clients, and it boils it down into easy-to-follow video lessons. Make sure you access the training at onlinedrea.com slash free. Now, let's get into this interview. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on my very first interview for the Savvy Social Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, I'm happy to make time for you. Have you uh, have you explained to your listeners like the setup? Like you're upstairs in your office, I'm downstairs in mine. No, I, I haven't explained that yet. So just so everyone is aware, we are on two separate levels of the house recording this podcast. Um, on two separate computers. Yeah. So it should be interesting. Hopefully the dogs don't bark during this interview. The dogs are just part of our Genesis story. You know, it's like, it's okay. That is very, very true. Okay. So tell me, how did you sign up for your first social media platform? Like what was the first uh, interaction you had with this new social media thing? Well, like I missed that whole phase of uh, MySpace and that kind of thing. I don't know. I guess that was a thing. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a live journal. I don't know if that's dating myself, but like, yeah, I had a live journal. Um, in terms of like modern social media, what we think of social media now, when I, I guess it was 2007, I had some friends that signed me up for Facebook, like as a joke, because I told them how much I didn't want to be on Facebook. And they were like, when I was, went to the bathroom or something, they got on my laptop and signed me up. Uh, the first time I seriously remember using Facebook for anything was like 2009. Mm-hmm. I created an account uh, only to access the, uh, the marketplace. I think it was a lot more prevalent at the time than it is now. But uh, Oh, they're yeah. trying to bring it back. <laughs> they're, they're trying to? Yeah. <laughs> How's that going? I don't, I don't know if anybody really uses it, but it's there. Yeah. 
Like that was, that was where I, I never had any intention of signing up for social media to like share what I had for breakfast and that kind of thing. Like that just, that wasn't my jam, but uh, I guess my first like real interaction with Facebook was probably like, yeah, 2009. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you go from someone who didn't want a Facebook account to running a social media business? So for those of you who don't know, Brent used to run the social media business with me from 2014 to 2016, I want to say. Um so yeah, tell, tell me about that transition into working in social media, and then we'll talk a little bit about transitioning out afterwards. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I don't know, the short answer, uh, well, I don't know if there is a short answer to this question, actually. Um, I, I, I embrace social media for what it, what it is. I mean, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's a time and a place for it. For instance, I, obviously we like to cycle, right? I have a cycling Instagram account and I use it almost as like a visual diary for cycling. I, th- I think there is a place for it. Don't get me wrong. Um, it was just one of those things like I tend to be a kind of a private person. So uh, for, for me, uh, I was never really big on, you know, using social media as a means of sort of broadcasting what I'm doing all the time, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a stereotype that, that people use social media that way, but but some people certainly do. Uh, in terms of a lot of my, my, you know, closer friends, family, they're not really big social media users, so I didn't have a big reason to connect there. Um, so, so, you know, transitioning into it from a business perspective, I think uh, I mentioned that in 2009 that I'd signed up for Facebook to be able to access the market marketplace um i i definitely saw the, the 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 benefit to businesses being on social media and when you and i were starting up our business together i mean we, we did a lot of stuff in the early days i mean mm-hmm. video editing and copywriting and we tried a little bit of freelance everything to see what would stick and i think it was a big win for us that social media clients generally had recurring monthly invoices mm-hmm. um, it was a lot easier to plan and project the kind of things we would do for those clients so it was easier to structure our business around it so so for a lot of it. I mean, I never got into social media as a business because I was super duper passionate about it. I, I was passionate about growing a business at the time. And to me, that seemed like the strongest opportunity uh, for what we were doing at the time was kind of work at home freelancers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Social media gave us the opportunity to have a business model, which allowed us to have that recurring um, revenue stream, which is something that, you know, everyone needs social media. It's kind of like 24-7 thing. So that really helped us. Um, so while you worked in social media, we worked on the business. At some point, you decided that it wasn't for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that thought process? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I already did in a sense because I said I was never super duper passionate about it. And it's a thing like if you have a job, like, I don't know, whatever you're doing, flipping burgers or whatever it is, you know, you go in and you do your job and you're getting paid because it's a job. But I think most people understand if you're going to be self-employed, um, you have to be at least somewhat excited about what you're doing. And I, I wasn't. So, uh, you know, I was able to do it for a couple of years and we, we grew the business quite successfully. And I worked with some great clients, many of them, who you know, still work with you now. Um, but, but for me, I just realized that wasn't the right place for me. It was kind of, I almost felt like a fraud in a sense, not that I wasn't delivering value for my clients, but it's like, you know, you probably wouldn't hire a social media manager if that person told you, uh, I hate using Facebook, you know, like I, I don't have a personal Facebook account, but, but trust me, I believe in Facebook. So, so that was a big part of it. Uh, I also 
tend to to try to shut out negativity as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, the the point where I exited the business towards the end of 2016, that was right during the uh, U.S. presidential election, right? Um, And and I found like it didn't matter if I had a a lawyer client or a client that did web design or a client that sold shoes. It was like no matter whether I was on Facebook, Twitter, otherwise, um, it seemed like every comment section was just loaded full of I don't even want to say political stuff. Some of it was just hatred and just shouting mm-hmm. in caps and just, just ignorance. And, and I just, I got tired of like, okay, today I'm going to work. I want to make a difference for my clients, but it means I've got to sift through a lot of noise too that, that really started to get to me. So yeah, I want to pause right there and talk a little bit more about that negativity on social media, sure. because I think it's, it's actually getting a lot worse. Um, you know, some of the things that people say on social media, there, there's this sort of, I don't know if autonomy is the right word, but people don't feel responsible for what they're saying <laughs> in a sense because they're hidden behind a computer screen. They don't realize that they're still connecting. There's a human on the other side of their keyboard that they're talking to. Um So I think a lot of people can relate to that in the sense that there is a lot of negativity online. It's just kind of floating around out there. Nobody's really thinking about what they're saying a little bit um, and how it will affect someone else reading it. And, you know, especially (laughs) in the political climate now, there's definitely a lot of social media negativity floating around. So you're saying you're in this like negative like social media storm and you decide that social media isn't a good fit for you. You don't personally connect to it the way I do. Um, so tell me a little bit about what, how you decided what to do next. Well, it, it, I kind of liken it to the 24 hour news cycle. You used the phrase 24 seven earlier to describe, um, you know, like how, how people use social media. I mean, there's something new trending every hour, right? And, and mm-hmm. so there's times, and certainly there's been critics of this in the past, people who've, who've spoken negatively about the 24-hour news cycle. It's like, okay, when there's a big world event, like when 9-11 happened, we understand, oh, I, I don't know why that's the first example I thought of, but when, when something like that happens, we understand why the news is running 24 hours a day because mm-hmm. there, there's breaking news all the time. But 364 days a year, that isn't the case. And so I think a lot of the negativity in social media spawns from that same idea is that we're constantly refreshing our feeds, we're constantly looking for what's trending. And sometimes I think it elevates levels of out outrage where no normal person would ever think to get that worked up over an issue that's potentially that small mm-hmm. but social media because we're hiding behind a screen and because we're obsessive compulsively refreshing our feeds to see what's there we're we're, we're almost we almost buy into looking for that negative news, that, that, that breaking news story of something horrible happening all the time. And so mm-hmm. I, think, I think some of it is people are people and people will post negative things because sometimes people are just negative people. But a mm-hmm. lot of it is that we buy into almost this culture of negativity on social media sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, I think I just danced around your question. What was the original question again? How did you transition out of kind of like the negativity of the bubble? I mean, I know the answer is like you deleted your Facebook. I shut it down. Yeah, I, w- yes. I want to talk a little bit about that because sometimes that's necessary. Yeah, I think I think everybody needs to do that. Even now with promoting my books and, and the work I'm doing as an author, uh, I set aside one day a week 
to go on social media and engage with people who, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. If I get a new comment or something that comes in, I get the notification in my phone, I'll go check it. Uh, but, but by and large, most of the social media work I do, I, I devote a couple hours on one day each week to doing that. But, but you're right. I mean, at the time when I exited from our business, uh, I did like a complete, not just social media shutdown, but news shutdown that I remember saying to people at the time, you know, like I'd have friends or family, somebody be like, hey, did you hear about this story? And I'm like, no, if it didn't happen in my living room, I don't want to know about it. I, 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 you know, I tuned out all of it. I'm like, I don't want to hear what's happening in the world. I don't want to hear what's happening in my local community. And I certainly don't want to see what my friends are doing on Facebook. Um, so, so I deleted my personal accounts, my personal Facebook, um, even some of the things I've been working on as a time, at the time as a freelancer. I didn't ever do a podcast quite to the scale you're doing it, but I had a couple of shows I did on YouTube, better freelancing, better blogging. I, I shut all of it down and, and I wanted to take I don't remember what it was at the time, like a month or two months. And I'm like, I just need a chance to, to get back in touch with me and what I'm about and what I'm thinking. Um, so I certainly, I know a lot of your listeners are, are bought in like hook, line and sinker to social media. And I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't be, but I do think it's a good idea every now and then to set some boundaries uh, whether it's like, hey, evenings and weekends, I turn off the notifications on my phone mm -hmm. or, um, you know, I, I check in so many times per week or, uh, you know, if I'm going, maybe taking like a, a vacation, like we call them cottages here in Canada, you guys call them like lake houses in the States, whatever you're going, you're going away to the cottage for the weekend. Um, leave your phone behind, you know, like I think, I think some of it is like, we're so big on taking pictures now of everything too, right. That it's like, you couldn't imagine going away somewhere for a weekend without taking your phone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I think, I think you have to sometimes. Like, I think you got to find those times to reconnect with yourself and nature and, and fitness and things that are important in life, human beings and relationships and, and family. Like at some point you just got to put down the screen. So yeah. And I think a lot of the listeners and I know a lot of the people inside of the Facebook group will know this. I am of a very same mindset in that, you know, we're so connected to social media. That doesn't mean we have to look at it 24 um, seven. It's okay to take a day off. It's okay to take a month off if you need to. Um, yeah. Consistency is important for the long game, but not at the, the, um, not at the, the, <laughs> level that you need to sacrifice your own mental health and your own well-being. Um, so one of the things I suggest is turn off the notifications and then set aside a time every day to check Facebook. That way it's, it's a very meaningful time that you're on Facebook and then you move on to your other business building aspects. Otherwise, you'll spend all day checking Facebook notifications and that's not productive. Yeah. No, you're right. Am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Um, yes, I guess so. I mean, it's not, I don't know. We'll, we'll see in what I'm happens. I'm your first guest, right? So yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Setting, I'm setting the precedent for everybody else. We just spend so much time fucking around with social media in ways that if we actually looked and, and I, I'm only saying this, having done social media work for clients, I would challenge a lot of your listeners and other social media managers to really look at how much time you're spending on social, doing things that matter, like really mm -hmm. connecting with other people, and how much time you're just sitting there hitting refresh, following hashtags, looking at so-called breaking news, like how much time you're actually invested in doing something meaningful. Because I, I can't figure out 
how some people can spend as much time as they do on social. And I know mm-hmm. for the periods of time, like when I, I deleted, I have a personal Facebook account now. I've got like three friends. I don't use it. I've literally never made a post. I only had it to create my Facebook author page. But I, I know during the period of time when I deleted my main Facebook account and, and everything else I had, Twitter, whatever, I did kind of a complete social media news shutdown. I found myself with so much extra time during the day. Right. <laughs> like where it was noticeable. Like even little things, like, and I know this is going to sound gross probably, but like just going to the bathroom (laughs) without taking my phone to go scroll through Instagram. It's like I could sit there and just have five minutes to myself to think or like plan the next thing I was going to do. You know, I, like I started taking boxing uh, classes, lessons again at the time. Uh, You know, I took, I took guitar lessons and stuff. Like I found, I was reading like a book every week. I was finding so much time to do these much more meaningful and much more enriching tasks because I took a step back. So again, I, I'm, I'm kind of engaged in social media again because of my current projects as a writer, but I, I, I just, I don't ever want to get back to that level of overload where it's like, you know, they have the thing like with the, the rat, uh, have you ever heard of that? Like the experiment where a rat will get like methamphetamine or something. They have the choice. They can press one button for meth or one for food. And eventually, <laughs> eventually they'll starve because they get so hooked on the meth. They, they keep going back there. If they can only hit one button every day, they'll choose the meth every time. So anyway, I just say that to say it reminds me a lot of how some people use social and that it's a constant like endorphin boost for them mm-hmm. and they forget about everything else that, that matters. And like 24 hours in a day is actually a lot. Yep, you know, a we, lot of time. It is. We, we, we say stupid things like, oh, if only we had more hours in a day. It's like you've got plenty of hours in a day. You're just spending way too much time liking people's photos on Instagram. Like go do something else, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. So let's move on to, you mentioned, you know, you, you post a lot for your author business and you're a writer. Um, so, you know, I've already given the introduction, but tell us a little bit about what you do and then how social media plays a role in, um, promoting your work. Uh, okay, so what I do, uh, I make up stories. I mean, I'm, I write, uh, I write fiction full time now. That's what I exited our business, obviously, to do. And I think some of your listeners, uh, some of your listeners know that. I think throughout this whole podcast episode, I think I've continually referred to the people listening as readers. I think I've done that more than once, and I don't know if either of us caught it. No, I'm sorry, I didn't, but I I'm, think they understand. Yeah, I'm like, your readers think that, and that's just, that's where my headspace is because the people who pay attention to what I do are generally readers and not listeners. Um, so I have a, a four-part series, a four-part thriller series coming out this year. Actually, the time we're recording this, we're four days away from the release of the first book in the series, Go Home Athen, which will be on June 25th, and it's available everywhere ebooks are sold, Kindle, uh, Nook, iBooks, so on and so forth. Um, that's what I do. How does social media play into me writing fiction? Um, it, it's certainly helpful for connecting with other authors and potential readers. Um, I've had uh, a number of people who've, you know, in all of my books, I have my social media links at the end and they're on my website and they're on uh, some of my other profiles online. So I do end up connecting every so often. I'm not world-class super famous here but I mean I get the odd person who like hey they find me on Twitter after and I like the book or they they have feedback or questions or whatever um so that's always a cool thing because like for any of your listeners not readers any of your listeners who've say published something in the past like they've published a book whether it's fiction or non-fiction they know how freaking scary it can be to hit publish and then wait and see what happens right people are going to read this and judge it so it's like it's always cool when you actually get to connect with a real human being that's like yeah i actually read it and i liked it i'm like Mm -hmm. ah that's 
you live somewhere where I don't even know where you are. And that is, that is really cool. Yeah. That's um, the power of social media. That's what I love so much about it is that yeah. you don't, you're not limited, you know, to your immediate surroundings to find potential readers or to have readers connect with you. They right. can be anywhere in the world. That's so cool. Well, and like cool things have happened. There's a library in Pennsylvania that carries my novel Thunder. Um, there's a library somewhere in Missouri. I think it's Kansas city. Uh, that carries uh, two of my novels there. And it's because readers found the book and liked it enough to go into their library and say, you should buy a copy of this guy's book. So it's like, it's kind of weird because that opportunity would have never happened. I don't think, you know, if we didn't have that social aspect of being able to connect with readers afar or, or even in, in the same breath, I mean, eBooks and the spread of this self-published indie author, I mean, has so much has been made possible so much. So through, mm -hmm current technology we have including social media mm -hmm. yeah that's that's very true the power of the internet the power um, of the yeah so tell me a little bit about your process when it comes to creating content i know you work a little bit ahead so how do you schedule out posts how do you know what to post tell us share share us uh your process about that I, like i know this is going to sound bad and this is going to be one of these like do what i say and not what i do type answers because People who are used to listening you listening to you and, and checking out your Facebook group, they get so many great ideas about how to post for engagement and and like I don't do any of that stuff. I even refuse to do Instagram stories. Like I don't do any of it. I gotta be honest, I don't have a great strategy. Um, the only thing I really try to do is I try to balance uh, promotional posts and posts that are sort of more personal or more about me. So again, I'm not one of those, Hey, here's what I have for breakfast. But if I did something cool, like I went some interesting place or I got a new tattoo or, uh, you know, I modded a guitar or something like these are things I like to do when I do regularly. They're part of my author bio, right? There's a reason it's in the bio. So it's like, Hey, here's a little bit about some of my interests and things I do. I just try to balance it out so that not all of my posts are, hey, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, because people tune that shit out after a while, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to, nobody goes on Facebook to be sold to, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that, that's the main balance I try to strike. I do play around with some hashtags. I definitely schedule posts for Instagram through Hootsuite, and then I use If This Then That to have them also post to Facebook and Twitter. Um, I participate in a couple of Facebook groups. Um, but but that's 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 really the the crux of it. Um, I, I I try to always engage with people who've engaged with my content as well. It's just that unlike, say, a couple of years ago, if I was working on behalf of a client's account, I'd have a very active strategy about how to grow their following and how to connect with the right audience. For me, I'm I'm a bit less concerned about it because I find it to be such a drag. Um, I, I post content for people that want to jump in and engage with it. I certainly start conversations with people, but um, you know, I'm much more interested in the quality of the followers I get than the quantity. So, um, you know, if you look at any of my profiles, like I have 500 likes on my Facebook page, I certainly had a lot more when I was a freelance social media manager, but I'm, I'm quite happy with that. It's like, if those are, if those are upwards of, you know, four or 500 people who've actually read some of my content and liked it, those are the right people to have following me. Those are the right people to have like my page. So mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know. I love that. I love how you talk about spending your time on social media too, um, really engaging and connecting with the people who've engaged with you. Yeah. Um, and then I know we help you out too with some of the proactive side of connecting with people sure, and sure. Um, growing the audience there. 
Um, okay. So have you had any meaningful or wow moments on social media? Like anything that's happened through a social media promotion that maybe, um, you know, you really like stuck out in your mind? Like, like interacting with contestants on MasterChef Canada? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, you're talking more specifically about my business as an author, right? Being a self-published author, like any, any meaningful connections there? Is that what you mean? Yeah, mostly. Like, I mean, it can be, you know, fun type content, but really what I'm looking for is maybe something impactful that happened on social media that made a difference in your business. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I highlighted that a little bit. The, the, um, the stuff that always stands out to me is when I have somebody reach out that's like, Hey, I, I, for, through some way, heard about one of your books. I read it. I loved it. I told my library to buy it. Um, there's one. There's one older lady, and like anybody who's read my books knows that they're like not. They're not like squeaky clean reads, right? Like there's 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 some stuff, right, in the books. Like I try to write sort of very gritty type stories, and so it always amazes me when I'll have some like you know seventy five year old plus grandma and I so I sound so disparaging when I say it that way but it's just it's the truth like I had one lady reach out to me I think she said she was in her 70s she lives in uh, Edmonton or like north of Edmonton and she was talking about how she's like I'm a little old lady but I really liked your books and da 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 and I bought the next books and whatever and I'm like this is a person that if I'd been sitting at a desk drawing up a marketing plan of of who my target ideal reader would be it would not have been this person in in any category and yet this is a person who not only found my book one of my books liked it enough to buy my other books um, and then connected with me online after and now tells other people to go read my book so those are the moments on social media that stand out to me it's not so much when it's like Hey, some big name book blogger gave me a retweet. That's cool when that happens. That's great. Mm-hmm. But, but the bigger thing for me is always when I hear from the person um, who in some way felt impacted or felt some kind of way about something I wrote and thought enough about it to want to even just say hello. Those, those, are, those are really uh, special moments for me. Yeah, and I think they're super powerful moments and ones that um, maybe newer business owners or um, they, they don't understand the value there that somebody took out of our busy days because we're all busy. Um, mm-hmm. They liked your content enough to stop, follow you, and leave a comment. I mean, that that's so super powerful. Um, and I know that e- even we've had some good interaction with our dog Gibson's account. <laughs> yeah. um, so at King Prez Gibson. If anyone wants to follow him on Instagram, I run his account. So I actually haven't posted in a while. I probably should do that. But we did a little promotion, just a few posts around one of Brent's books that came out. Was it in August that that Fender came out? Fender was August last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So August last year, Fender came out. We posted it on Gibson's account. He's got like, he's close to 5,000 followers now. Wow. Um, My dog is 10 times the followers that I do. That's awesome. Well, he is a cute dog. So he has a little bit of an unfair advantage over us. Um, But, you know, just posting about the book from Gibson's perspective and having a picture of him with the books um, helped you know, get a few, a handful of book sales and some of your fans. Yeah, every, every time you do one of those promotions on Gibson's account, I always see uh, a spike and like I grab a couple new followers. There's a couple new sales that come in. Um, it, it's really neat because it really does speak to how people use social media 
Um, people think there's that whole thing about buy from me, buy from me, you know, that's, what's going to do it. And it's like, it's not, they follow Gibson because, you know, in any given month, he has 20 photos of him being a uh, cute, floofy puppy. And then, you know, one post at the end of the month is like, Hey, check out my man humans book. And, and people, people react to that, right? Like if all the posts had been just trying to sell this book, nobody would have followed Gibson in the first place, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, this has been such a great interview. We're going to wrap up here in a moment, but before we do, um, how can people connect with you online, on social media, and then tell us what's, um, tell us more about your upcoming launch? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I am at author Brent J pretty much everywhere, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, Facebook, and I'm sure there's others I'm not thinking of, but those are the three big ones. Uh, my website is authorbrentjones.com. Um, you'll put all this in the show notes, I'm sure anyway. But, oh uh, yeah, you know I will. I know you will. So, so those are the main ways to contact me. Uh, Go Home Afton comes out on Monday. It's the first part of four in a, a serial thriller that uh, I've been working on. So it'll be a four-part basically like a four part novel and the four parts are coming out in June, August, September, and October. So by about a couple people say like, I hate getting into a series unless there's a few books out. Cause I don't want to read one and then wait a year. Not going to happen by October. All four parts will be released. And this is a story about a small town children's librarian. She's 26 years old. Her name is Afton Morrison. She's, um, uh, she lives in the fictitious Midwestern town of Wakefield, and she's a children's librarian by day and a disturbed vigilante murderess by night. So um, in, in this first book, we see that she's pursuing uh, a violent sexual predator that's been preying on women in, in Wakefield. And um, as probably predicted with any thriller or action type book, not everything goes according to plan. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. It's available as an ebook only. It's coming out June 25th. It's novella length, not a super long read. And uh, it's only 99 cents U.S., it's like a buck. So if you could uh, buy a coffee, you, you could buy two coffees today. Buy one coffee and you could get yourself a really great novella to check out with it. Awesome. So you heard it, guys. Go Home Afton comes out June 25th and it's 99 cents. Go grab it anywhere ebooks are sold. Thanks so much, Brent, for being on the show. It was great chatting with you. Thank you, my love. Thanks so much for joining us today and listening to our interview with Brent Jones on the Savvy Social Podcast. For links to everything we talked about in this episode, head on over to SavvySocialPodcast.com. Also, don't forget to join the conversation inside of our Facebook group. Search for the Savvy Social Crew or visit SavvySocialCrew.com to join for free. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher. And I'll see you next week. Bye for now.